Our guest today, clinical psychologist Dr. Art Ellis, shares the impact Dr. Robert Hartman's work had on him when he, as a college student in the 1960s, was being coached about his assessment results by Dr. Hartman. Dr. Hartman was the discoverer of axiology, and it's the science used in the assessment that Dr. Ellis was taking at the time, and it's one of the sciences used in the trimetrics assessment that we use. This is what Dr. Ellis shared. It seemed to be such a comprehensive reflection of elements of my being. It was an aha experience. Everything came together, and it was like, I had been looking for this organizing principle and really didn't know it, but recognized it when it was presented to me. So when he started explaining to me about the dimensions of value, suddenly all of this just fit together for me. And from that point on, it just became an organizing principle for my life. All of my thought processes go through this axiological filter. Today, we have a great discussion with Art Ellis. I can't wait to share it with you. You're going to learn a lot. You're going to be inspired. And we have a, have a great time and I'm so happy to bring this to you. Michael, hit it. Welcome to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, a show designed for leaders, trainers, and consultants who are responsible for employee selection and professional development. Each episode is packed full with insider tips, best practices, expert interviews, and inspiration. Please welcome the host who is helping leaders, trainers, and consultants everywhere, Susie Price. Hi there, my name is Susie Price and I'm with Priceless Professional Development and you are listening to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast. We cover everything here related to helping you and the employees and the organizations you work in build a high commitment, low drama, Wake Up Eager Workforce. I am the managing principal and owner of Priceless Professional Development. We've helped thousands of leaders across a multitude of industries, including insurance, technology, hospitality, construction, healthcare, consulting, recruiting, Helped all of those types of organizations and industries build a wake up eager workforce. And we provide resources to help leaders engage with, understand, and effectively manage employees throughout the employee life cycle from hiring, onboarding, team building, leadership development, succession planning, and conflict resolution. We also train and certify others to become experts. We have a signature six-week certification program that allows for self-pacing or pre-planned course pacing, and you can become a certified professional disc analyst, certified professional motivators analyst, trimetrics expert analyst, and for more information about these programs, go to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash certification. And Sean Simon is an executive coach at simonleads.com. He is a wonderful person. We actually enjoy him so much that he is actually part, uh, we refer executive presence and emotional intelligence work to Sean. And he's just a great guy. And he completed the certified professional disc analyst. And he had this to say about the certification process. Hi, my name is Sean Simon, founder and certified executive coach and leadership consultant at Simon Leeds, based in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I'm also based in Naples, Florida. And I'm so glad that I completed the professional DISC analyst certification at Priceless Professional Development for so many reasons. The certification process, first of all, it's so convenient, and the coaching support from Susie Price is absolutely amazing. And also, behind the scenes, the certification gave me additional confidence to better interpreting DISC reports, both in my coaching 
and for workshop training sessions that I often deliver for teams. And I can now effectively communicate this methodology to leadership that are looking to do any one of the number of things from building teamwork to accelerating their transition with a new team and to operating with you know, better awareness to their strengths and where they may have gaps as a team. But the DIST certification has clearly helped me to stand out as an expert in my field. So if you have any questions about certification, go to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash certification, or you can reach out to me anytime, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Susie, S-U-Z-I-E, and all of that is lowercase, and uh, we can talk about what you're looking for and tell you more about the programs. So we're all about Wake Up Eager here, and this is the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast, and our goal is to provide information related to everything about Waking Up Eager, and you can find a directory of all of our episodes at wakeupeagerworkforce.com, wakeupeagerworkforce, all one word, dot com, and I have um, a request, if you would give me some feedback, feedback and or share this podcast with others. So if you're listening to this and you enjoy it and you're on a mobile device, take a screenshot and then share it on social media. Tag us at Wake Up Eager or at Susie Price. I should be able to see that. If I see it, I will respond and share. We can both lift each other up and by your sharing and or leaving us a review, it helps other people find the podcast. And so that would be my joy if you feel inspired to do that. I have a short little video that I made about how do you leave a review. You can do that by going to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash review, and you'll see how to actually leave a review on iTunes. You could also leave me a verbal review, and we could share it here on the podcast, or you can also leave me, there's a little purple microphone there, you just click it and speak. If you have feedback and you just want to verbalize something, or you have a suggestion, you can always Leave feedback there. Pricelessprofessional.com forward slash review tells you how to review. Also shows you how to subscribe. We have our own apps, so you could actually get those too. Um, but would love to get more visibility for the podcast. We put a lot of a lot of energy and love into this. It is a love uh, job here. <laughs> it takes up a lot of time. I'm recording this on a Saturday morning. And it's just uh, something I just am compelled to do. And as evidenced by this episode today, I just love talking to people, uh, interesting people. Uh, It ties to the work we do. And I just think it's uplifting and inspiring. And it's such a joy just to create it. So you know it's a good thing for you. If, If you're in the midst of doing it, it already is its reward. And that's what I would say about this entire podcast, but uh, in today's episode, once again, finding joy in the conversation and in the discussion. So our directory, wakeupeagerworkforce.com. You can reach out to me anytime at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Susie, S-U-Z-I-E. Today's uh, episode is episode 74, and we're on a bit of a series again about axiology, and it's Axiology Influencers, Why Robert S. Hartman's Work Matters Today, and it's just it's a discussion with clinical psychologist Art Ellis. He has his PhD, and he knew Hartman, he and his wife, he talks about in this episode, and here's what we're going to cover. You're going to learn more about axiology and Hartman, and you're going to learn it through somebody who knew him. 
Art talks about why it was a life-changing experience. We talk about how it's relevant today, the work that Hartman did and the work that we use today is why it's irrelevant to the entire world, uh, how it can help us make good value decisions, live better. It actually transfers into profit sharing in businesses and into international relations and nuclear wars. We talk about all of that today. And I also believe you're going to be inspired as you learn more about his life. And uh, it's interesting. And as I talk in the episode, he and his wife are very vibrant, energetic, interesting people. So I think you're going to find that. To find the show notes, everything we talk about today is listed there. We also always have a transcript that you can look at. We also time stamp different parts of the different topics. So you can also, uh, we try to make it very accessible so you can, everybody's time is precious, right? So, so there's different forms of using and benefiting from each episode. So if you go to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Hartman Art, A-R-T, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N-A-R-T, Hartman Art, and that's Art's first name. And Hartman, of course, is Hartman's last name, and it's all one word, lowercase. Pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Hartman Art. You'll have all the links to everything. Um, you know, axiology is a quick touch base on this. Formal axiology is a logic-based science. It's the study of one's thinking habits. It measures the quality of our judgment decision-making. There's the history of Robert Hartman. I'm going to invite you to go read his book. And it's the book that one of the books we talk about, uh, Art and I talk about, where he helped make that, edited it, and uh, did the second edition and has a forward in it. And make that and other works are all listed in the show notes at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Hartman Art. But I would invite you to read Freedom to Live. And if you purchase it through the link that I share, in the show notes, then the Hartman Institute benefits from you purchasing it there. But Hartman wrote many books. He has thousands of pages, 100,000 pages in his archives, which we are bringing forward as part of the Hartman Institute. But in, in his work, he worked with companies, he worked with students. I became certified in the trimetrics acumen part of the assessment in about 2005, and I joined the Hartman Institute board in 2019. And so that's kind of my history with it. Let me tell you about Art. Uh, he is a PhD. He's a licensed professional counselor. And he has been a clinician since 1971. He holds degrees in psychology and rehabilitation, uh, rehabilitation counseling from the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. He has a doctorate from LaSalle University. He's also a certified master addictions therapist and a diplomat of the American Psychotherapy Association. His work career was a therapist in the psychology service of a Veterans Administration Medical Center. Um, he studied formal axiology under Robert S. Hartman, and Hartman personally trained him in the use and interpretation of the Hartman Value Profile, which, again, that is the third science in trimetrics. It's the acumen, where there are many versions of the Hartman Value Profile out there, and trimetrics is just one of them. Art has been active in the Hartman Institute since its formation. He has served on the board of directors and is now chair emeritus and member of the Wisdom Council. And he's currently a member of the Society of Industrial and Organizational Psychology, the International Coaching Federation, and Association for Talent Development. Here's the interview. Hi, Art. So glad to have you here. Thank you. 
Oh, I'm so happy to be here. I'm delighted to have this opportunity to talk with you. Yes, it's going to be our blessing, I am sure. I want you to kick us off with telling how you became aware of Hartman's work. I think you took his classes, maybe, and I know he trained you, but talk a little bit about how you became aware of him and then why you spent a good bit of your life committed to his work in various ways. Well, I have to give my wife, Charlotte, credit for introducing me to Dr. Hartman. Dr. Hartman came to the University of Tennessee in Knoxville at the invitation of the fairly new dean of the School of Philosophy who was trying to get things really established. I believe it was 1967. Some of the information that I've been reviewing says 68, but my memory is 1967. And he was there for two quarters each year, the fall quarter, we were on the quarter system at that time, and the winter quarter. So he was there from September and then would leave uh, when the quarter was over at the end of May and go back to Mexico and teach at the university, the National University of Mexico in Mexico City. So my wife was fulfilling some of her requirements to take things that were outside her business (laughs) regimen. And one of the things that she chose to take, I believe, was an ethics course from Dr. Hartman. And she was so impressed that she said, you must meet this gentleman. And one of the things that Dr. Hartman always seemed to get around to doing with his students, no matter what the class was, I'm not sure that this is exactly true, but everybody seemed to end up taking what at that time was the Hartman Value Inventory And he would give it to students and then do a a personal interpretation for them. And she was just blown away by this experience, like many people uh, who have that opportunity to take the Hartman Value Profile, even today. And so she introduced me to him and uh, said, you must take the test. And so he administered the test to me and gave me an interpretation, and I was just blown away. I had been an engineering student, but I had switched to psychology. So I was a psychology major at the time and was very interested in all of the depth that this instrument was able to reflect and was just fascinated and said, how can I learn about this? And he said, well, you need to take some philosophy courses and get some background. (laughs) So I enrolled in, in some philosophy courses and some of which he taught. And he uh, invited me to come to his after-hour seminars, which he was teaching how to uh, administer and interpret the Hartman Value Profile and teaching about the fundamentals of uh, formal axiology. So that was my introduction to Dr. Hartman. And by the way, my wife is such a, a good person at dealing with other people that she became fast friends with uh, with the Hartmans and with uh, Rita Hartman, Dr. Hartman's wife. And we became the people who would help them unload when they got there in the uh, from Mexico to get settled in their house in September. And then we would help them pack up at the end of May to go back to Mexico. And we did that every year (laughs) that they came during the time that he was there, up until his death in in 73. Wow. When you took the test and you were blown away, do you remember, you said the depth, do you remember other things about it that struck you? Oh, it just seemed to be 
of such a comprehensive reflection of elements of my being and what it became for me and what it it was an aha experience uh, you know what an aha experience is that <laughs> a familiar term to you yes when, when it's like you know everything comes together yes and it was like i have been looking for this organizing principle <laughs> And I really didn't know it, but recognized it when it was presented to me. So when when he started explaining to me about the dimensions of value, and he was doing this in the process of uh, giving me information from the test, then, you know, suddenly all of this stuff just fit together for me. And so from that point onward, just became an organizing principle for my life. And the more I learned about it, of course, the more sophisticated I was in thinking about it. But basically, from that point on, all my thought processes go through the axiological filter. It makes sense in so many ways because I can relate having a similar kind of experience, except you were actually having it with Robert Arman. But it also makes me think of I had not known that you had been majoring in engineering and then switched to psychology. So the engineer, the part of you that wanted to be an engineer, probably related to having a framework or having a formula, you know, particularly related to that, I would guess. Yeah, I'm sort of a, a mixed-up, eclectic kind of person. Uh, <laughs> have interests in in a broad range of things. Uh, initial in- interest in engineering, and still have you know that kind of thinking to some extent. Didn't pursue engineering primarily because we were going through a phase where engineers couldn't get jobs, hmm. and I was concerned about that. Uh, so I switched to another interest, which was very different from engineering. <laughs> Thank goodness you did. (laughs) I've often reflected about that. What would have happened if I had stuck with engineering? Yeah. You know, but I'm happy with how things turned out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It would help people either way, my guess is. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how many people have the kind of experience I had in taking the Hartman Value Profile. I don't know what your experience has been with people. It's a common experience for taking the test to be a life-changing experience. As a as a interesting historical sidelight, Jan Hartman, who was uh, Dr. Hartman's son, wrote to us in the institute one time and said, "You are in the institute focusing way too much on the Hartman value profile." <laughs> And uh, he said in his letter to us that taking the test does not change anyone. And he felt like there were many other aspects of Hartman's work that we needed to uh, focus our attention on as well. And I agree with that because there is a tremendous amount of Hartman's thinking that we we need to get out to the world. However, but I disagree (laughs) with the statement that people taking the test are not changed because I think there's an opportunity there for people to be changed. They don't have to understand all about the framework of formal axiology to understand that there is some basic, uh, there are some basic things here 
which, if I integrate these into my life, can make a difference. Absolutely. You're helping further both avenues of that. One, in regard to helping make sure his biography gets out, all the work you did on that, um, all the work you've done in the Institute. I mean, so for Jan, you know, and all the work you've done with clients or personal clients around the Hartman Value Profile, and you you fund, you and your wife fund the publishing of Hartman's work. What does he have, 100,000 pages of material in his archives that are just now getting accessed? So you've been doing all of it. I'm thrilled to see that happening. We've uh, been working toward that for years. When uh, Rem Edwards uh, had the opportunity to become an editor, with the series which first published uh, Freedom to Live, that was the first publication that the Hartman Institute was able to get into print. That was the Hartman Institute itself. There were other books that had been uh, written. One of them was Forms of Value and Valuation, which Edwards and Davis had, uh, had published previously. And of course, there was Hartman's Structure of Value. But this was the first publication that we actually you know, could claim as our own. And Rem was able to do that through the Value Inquiry book series. And also, then, Rem and I were able to publish uh, The Knowledge of Good, Hartman's Manuscript, which is the history of the of valuational thought going all the way back to the early, early philosophers and early commenters about values. It's a cumbersome work to read, but we thought extremely important historically to get Hartman's thoughts about where all of these serious thinkers about values fell short <laughs> and where they did not get to the crux of the matter, which he felt like formal axiology was able to do. Interesting. And then the coming out is something that you're supporting and have backed is the revolution against war that's coming out and that's as a result of you funding archival research and publishing and so many things so kudos to you and charlotte for all of that revolution of war extremely happy to see that happening so thankful for the people who are putting such great effort into it when you think about Hartman, if somebody didn't know anything about him and didn't know anything about his science, and you were to describe him, how would you describe him? You spent time with him. You helped him pack. You helped him unpack. I mean, you were like like breathing uh, like I do with my neighbors kind of thing, you know, where you help him. You was like, how would you describe your neighbor who you, you know, help do stuff, you know, when they need help? He was a teacher to you and a mentor. What would you say? Uh, he was you know, such a, a deep thinker, but at the same time, he, w- he was humorous, <laughs> had a good sense of humor, always just absolutely bowled over by the intellectual power that I felt in his presence. Uh, you know, someone who, who has this kind of capacity, especially when I learned some things about him, all the all the vast number of things that he studied and multiple uh, language skills and just, you know, a, a person that was almost, you would be overawed with, except at the same time, he could put you at ease and uh, he would really enjoy him and his students just loved him. 
if they connected with him, you know, they just loved him and wanted to be in his presence, wanted to soak up whatever it was that he was willing to <laughs> to dispense. And so he, it was a delightful experience. I was thinking when you were talking about his intellectual powers, like, was he kind? And it sounds like he was if students, you can be kind and be very focused. So it sounds like he was kind. Oh, I think, uh, yes. And, uh, and I think he probably impacted a great many students through his use of, and he was using the Hartman Value Profile Inventory, as it was called at that time, as a teaching tool. But obviously, when, when he administered it to students and uh, told them what it said about them, I'm sure that that was impactful to countless numbers of people. In fact, he, he describes that a little bit in Freedom to Live when he's talking about one of his classes at MIT in which they are studying formal axiology, and I'm sure using the test along with that also. And he talks about some of the students who really integrated this into their lives and the, and the vast changes that it made in some of their relationships and in some of their directions in life. So uh, just that aspect of uh, his interaction with students must have been a very uh, significant thing for many of them. One of the things that uh, some of us were in the library a few years ago in the archives, and uh, there are lists of students who were in his classes at MIT and uh, Princeton and some of the other places that he, he taught. And somebody who was sitting with me said, I wonder what's happened to all these people and how they would regard Hartman now. So I made an attempt, <laughs> unsuccessful as it was, to see if I could trace anyone. Oh, and, interesting. Uh, I was not able to to track down people. I'm, I'm sure that if we went into it in a big way and invested in it, we could do that. Uh, the only people that I was able to actually get in touch with were the ones from the University of Tennessee that I already knew about. <laughs> yes, yes. But uh, I thought it was such an interesting question. And, yeah. uh, you know, in terms of what, what we were just talking about, I'm sure that uh, I'm making an assumption that, that what I've said about his impact on people individually must have been considerable. Yes. Well, it impacted you. Certainly changed my entire life I think yeah and then what you know there's the ripple effect of it you're staying with the Institute you're you know putting his works out into the world and then you're furthering it I mean I think I heard you said you've been to every conference so we're at our 44th conference this year every conference that the Institute has had except for one is that right that's correct there was one year I had some kind of conflict and didn't make it other than that actually there was I did not make it to the one in Mexico that occurred in 83. Wow. So uh, other than that, I have been to, to everyone. So that that I, involvement... I was or that... to get to Mexico in 1983. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No telling what was going on, right? Um, but, right. The, you know, your involvement furthers it, you know, and just, uh, you know, so it's like, so somehow because of your involvement, that led to my involvement is the way I look at it. You know, we're all standing on your shoulders, basically. And, oh, that's, uh, that's such a nice thought to think that, uh, 
you know, that the linkages that we're making uh, carry on beyond us and uh, hopefully yeah. we'll have a, an impact, a cumulative impact as we move on into the future. Because yeah. we spent many years, you know, trying to, our small group of people, trying to keep this alive. We have an impact around the world that I think we're probably pretty much unaware of because there are so many people in so many places who use uh, the Hartman Value Profile and its derivatives in some form or other. And uh, so, you know, I, I think the impact uh, through all these different people who are not really closely associated with us and some of whom we might not even know about, I think the impact is occurring in ways that we aren't even aware. Right. Right. You know, I think he even said, and I, I don't know if I've read this directly or just heard it, so you can correct me if I'm incorrect, but he 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 died unexpectedly, I believe. Nobody was expecting his passing at that time. He wasn't sick or anything, right? He uh, had a fairly quickly uh, developing liver disorder, I believe. Oh, okay. Cancer, I don't know why, but it uh, took him yeah. very quickly. Quickly, so, but I think he had said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting this, but this work is to be furthered by everybody else. And it's not yes. quote or anything that, that he thought it would be he, carried on. He never thought on. this was a finished product at all. Yeah, that, uh, this is just something getting started. And someone asking one time in my presence, "What do you think about the work that you're doing and the structure of value?" I think we're probably talking about the structure of value. And he said, you know, I think it'll take a hundred years <laughs> before the real meaning of the structure of value is appreciated and uh, maybe in practice. Now, he wow. hoped it would happen much quicker than that. And some of his writing is much more optimistic about uh, things changing much more quickly. And uh, it turns out I think he was way too optimistic about some of that. But <laughs> things yeah. take uh, my rule is things always take longer and cost more than you think they're going to anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <laughs> so in your mind, how is Hartman's work relevant today? If somebody, and this actually came up at our last conference, somebody asked, didn't ask the question exactly like that, but that was the point. You know, it's like, okay, you're talking about Hartman's history and we're bringing up his past works, but how is it relevant today? I have a sense about what that is and I kind of have my own knowing around that, but I didn't know Hartman and I didn't know him back then. I'd be curious what you would say about why his work is relevant today. I think it's more relevant than ever. What say you? I agree with you. I think it is more relevant than ever. And, you know, there, there are different ways that, that I could express how I think its relevance is so important right now. But, but I think I would put it into the terminology at the moment is when have, in, in our lifetimes, has making good decisions been more important? Ooh, making yeah. good value decisions. And what we have to offer, what Hartman has given us to offer to the rest of the world, is a process of learning how to make good value decisions and how to uh, live better, how for all of us to live better as a result of this becoming a standard practice rather than something that's rare. 
in our world, we celebrate when something good occurs, as if it is an unusual experience. And what I would like to live in is a world in which good things happen all the time, and what's rare is when something bad happens. <laughs> so yeah. that is, I guess, the crux. And why is it important in other ways? Well, for example, the work that he did in, in uh, with profit-sharing industries, and by the way, all of this is formal axiology because it has to do with valuing how businesses function and how people are treated in business. But the work that he did in establishing the profit-sharing plans, Cliff Hurst has been in touch with someone, or someone got in touch with him, who is a part of uh, some kind of national or international profit-sharing organization which still exists. This gentleman told Cliff that our 401 K and Keo plans and all those things are absolutely based on the kinds of ideas that, that Hartman put in place. Wow. So that's carrying right on into my life every month when <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> when yeah. Those things occur. And then we've got all of his thought about uh, and he was so concerned about how international relations are occurring and what's happening with nuclear war, which was a big issue at the time and looks like it's an, an issue again at this time, and how all of these interactions between nations you know, need to be looked at in a way that is beneficial to the entire world rather than to one group here and one group there, that we all live in a world together. And since we have the capacity to destroy it at any time, uh, we need to understand even more than ever that we all live on this planet and we need to learn how to live in better harmony. And that's the message and the emphasis of much of his writing that has to do with nations and uh, the revolution against war, a book will have several of his essays about that. And uh, it was for this kind of thinking that he was uh, nominated for the Nobel Prize for proposing that a group of countries around the world that were called non-aligned form an alliance together and support uh, non-nuclear life on this planet. <laughs> So there's wow. much about his writing, and you know, and there there are many other things that uh, that he in the archives, <laughs> because his interests were so broad, and his uh, his thought processes, you know, encompassed so many things. By the way, he used to carry these little bitty pieces of paper in his shirt pocket with a little bitty stub of a pencil. Uh -huh. Any time he heard something or thought of something that uh, he thought was relevant or he thought was amusing or he thought could use, he would bring out those little bitty pieces of paper and make notes. And sometimes they were things that were amusing to him and sometimes they were uh, deep thoughts, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I, I got a peek at the rough draft of the quote book, and and uh-huh. some of the quotes in there are are just exactly that. There's deep thought, and then there's some musing. You just do a little chuckle, and you do really, you know, it's uh, educational on so many levels and understanding the what you're explaining, the broad nature of his uh, studies, and then. Um, just uh it helped me see the dimensions that we learn about and talk about so much in a new light in a different way i mean it's it's the quote book is going to uh kind of help display his personality more i believe I think that is such a wonderful idea yeah that's awesome and it's happening because of your commitment to all this and i get uh, uh, a lot of kudo to you and charlotte for all of that in your work as a psychologist and as an addiction specialist, maybe you formally or maybe you informally used Hartman's work. Could you talk a little bit about that? You might, might I think you had talked about it, you had to use certain tools, so you weren't able to always use the Hartman, Hartman value profile in government work or regulation, but just talk about in general how or where you applied it formally or informally in your work. Well, formally, uh, as you have uh, alluded to, it wasn't on the approved list, so I couldn't use it formally, but I could use it informally, and I did uh, a lot of individual counseling and therapy, and there would be times when I felt like there was a person who could really benefit from this look at themselves from this axiological values perspective and maybe zero in on some of the issues uh, that they were dealing with that were fuzzy to them, that actually the valuational profile and the uh, information revealed there would help clarify. So I found that experience uh, a number of times with, with people, particularly who are really seeking some insightful kinds of uh, uh, help in, uh, in changing their lives. In thinking about addiction, addiction is not a situation that anyone elected uh, to have in their lives. Their high school counselors did not talk to them about how to become addicted. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Somehow they landed there. One must understand that, you know, and I was dealing with primary with with, uh, substance addiction. There are all kinds of addictions. But uh, people become addicted to substances because it, it becomes for them some kind of solution. It's not a good solution, but it's, you know, it's an addressing some kind of issue. And so helping them understand what, what it is that they're trying to address and to figure out some other way of doing that is what uh, addiction therapy and, and changing one's life is all about. The problem with people who become addicted in a long-term sense is that they cheat themselves out of opportunities to learn how to live some other way. They don't have the experiences of, uh, of solving problems in some other way because if they become really heavily addicted to something, the solution to any problem after a while becomes go use whatever your favorite drug is. Right. And so they don't have the experience of working through problems and have a reservoir of, uh, of tools to help them. So when they start into this process of becoming not addicted and having some other kind of lifestyle, they're way behind. 
you know, yes. they're way behind those of us who have gone through struggles in life and figured out how to how to do things and uh, made bad decisions that that weren't like their bad decisions. Ours didn't end end up maybe in the same place that, that theirs did, and we were able to learn something from ours that they didn't have the opportunity to learn from their bad decisions. So they have to to identify how to do that. And what I found was that uh, using the Hartman Value Profile at times helped people identify for themselves where they are uh, in their own lives with their own development and understand uh, from that perspective some of the things that they need to focus on and work on in order to be able to function well in ordinary life with ordinary kinds of struggles and deal with them in more acceptable and successful ways. So that's awesome. that treatise, I'm not sure I answered your question or not. <laughs> you did. It was perfect. And you know what it had me thinking is, you know, I know how I explain the dimensions, you know, and it's, it's about if you were going to explain it to someone who had no background in in axiology and they haven't studied the dimensions and maybe it's even you're thinking of thinking of a client who says I'm ready to try to make better decisions I'm ready to beat this addiction I don't know asking you putting you on the spot here but how would you describe it like oftentimes I'll say this is measuring how clearly you're seeing this dimension related to people and how clearly you know so this is this part is mentioned is showing right now a snapshot of how you feel about this dimension I'd be curious how you would, some of the language that you would use. Have you been at one of my presentations on formal axiology simplified? I <laughs> have not. Okay. Oh, over the last five years or so, I, th- I think I've done that two or three times. I, I did it uh, once for one of our conferences, and I did it in Europe uh, for one of their conferences. And then uh, Cliff and I used that also in uh, one of the pre-conference trainings that we did a couple of years ago. But anyway. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, that conference last year was the first one I'd ever been to. Okay. It was all new to me. So in regard to the conference, I've been using uh, the tools for a long time. But anyway, so tell us. So this, I am not putting you on the spot if you've been giving talks on this. So very good. Well, it, <laughs> How would you I'm, describe? I'm just going to give you an encapsulation. One of the things that, that I think is important is that you do not have to be a philosopher or a formal axiologist to use these tools. Uh, are you sitting in a room right now that has a light and a light switch? Yes. If you went over, I said, Susie, go over and flip the light off and flip it back on. You could do that, could you not? I could. And then if I said to you, Susie, explain to me what just happened. <laughs> like uh, I hit the switch <laughs> and the light changed uh, right and that's all you need to know about all of the physics that goes in to making that process work that's true and if you ask a physicist what happened they will give you all kinds of an explanation but the bottom line is they still don't quite know (laughs) what it is that happened (laughs) 
between the switch and the light coming on. They do not know all about it. So from this kind of standpoint, you can give somebody just some basics. That formal axiology has to do with the way that you deal with all of the aspects of your life. And we divide that into three dimensions. And these three dimensions form a hierarchy. It's not that they are not each important. It is that they each have a place in the hierarchy. And the most important one is called the intrinsic. And it basically has to do with people and your relationships with people. And it has a lot of other aspects, too. But we'll just think about that for the moment. The second most valuable one is called the extrinsic, and it has to do with all of the material and practical things that make up your life. And the least important, but still very important, and it's how everything in your life and your thinking is organized. So it has to do with the systems that govern our lives. Those three things make up uh, the process of axiology. And so how we value all three of these dimensions in, as we go through everyday life, if you don't know a thing about axiology, never heard the word before, you're still doing it. You're still making decisions every day about people and about the stuff in your life, about the rules that you have to follow. If you understood formal axiology a little better and you understood these dimensions, you might change some of the ways that you make some of those decisions because you might come to see that there are elements that you are not valuing appropriately. You're valuing some things too much and some other things not enough. And you may not be giving proper attention to the people in your life or you may be giving too much attention to the stuff in your life. And so I think that just as a basic kind of explanation of what this is all about, is trying to learn how to make better decisions by learning how this hierarchy works. So that would be my basic explanation of formal axiology. <laughs> I love it. It was perfect. It was perfect oh. and super helpful. Oh. But one of the things that I've always been a real advocate for is what I call informal axiology. <laughs> yes. It's when, you know, we just teach people, or some people are, are natural at it anyway. They understand the hierarchy. They've never heard of it. But they understand that people are more important than things. But if we could get people to uh, think about this field of axiology, as commonly, uh, let's think for a moment about Stephen Hawking and Carl Sagan. What did they do for cosmology and physics? They brought it right into the living room. Mm -hmm. They made all of that information about uh, the stars and physics and quantum mechanics. They made that into common uh, vocabulary that uh, people don't shun that. They, I mean... It's just normal. It's, it's just, just normal. everyday life. They didn't make it. So it's like it, turning off the light switch, basically. Exactly. You know? 
Yes. So if we could get formal, if we could get axiology, my informal kind of axiology, yep. into that kind of uh, framework so that we don't have to change the name, we just have to have people understand that this is about values and, and value decision making. Yes. And if we can get that somehow into the psyche uh, so that people are aware and using that commonly, normally, then we will change the world. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. I'm for it. Informal axiology. <laughs> I'm doing my part. <laughs> Making are. it accessible. Uh, and we are. all are. And I think it was so interesting to me, too, is that when people discover this work, many pick it up. Like I knew I, I was trained uh, by TTI Success Insights. They came to Atlanta. I had just uh, started my business in 2003. Um, in 2000, I'd gotten certified in the, two of the other tools that they use, which, and then I was, they were in town to train you on the, we call acumen. And I remember I didn't sleep for like three days afterwards. I came home and I was like <laughs> obsessed. I mean, I'm like, I knew, and I think there, I'm, I'm not, I mean, other people who've gotten into it, I knew that this was a part of my purpose. I knew that this was going to be something I used in my business. And I've grown my focus on it and started to exclude everything else um, that I used to do. If it's it not related. You. Yeah, it, it grabbed, grabbed me you. just like, it, yeah, I mean, it was like, <laughs> I knew. I mean, I was like, I literally didn't sleep, you know. So to me, we all had, not everybody needs to own it like that, but we can be the way showers, that's my goal anyway, is to continue to be a helper to those who are looking for insight, looking for a tool to understand how they make decisions. Look, you know, I don't want to push it on anyone, but I, I do believe in its value and I see it every day and um, it's, um, I'm right there with you. And I love the analogy or the thought of taking it right into the living room like Hawken and Sagan did, you know, to make it just every day. I think we're getting there with all these publishing of the, I think you have to acknowledge the history and I think we're doing better and better about all that. Whose shoulders do we stand on? Um, and then bring all of that with as we go forward. So it's going to be interesting. Well, I'm, I'm happy to uh, be around to witness these things happening with the Institute to see energetic people. And I'm so thrilled to see you know, people like you, younger people coming in who are excited and who are grasping the implications of this and grasping its history. I don't think we can expect everyone to um, get excited the way you did and the way I did, uh, which means that for the Institute's purposes, we need to be able to offer them values in other ways. And maybe they'll get excited about it at some point. But we need to be able to offer them things that can support whatever it is that they're doing and make being a part of us uh, worth their time and uh, yes. worth their, their intellectual involvement, I hope. 
Yes, yes. I was so thrilled with the conference last year um, in Westminster College and the the group that was there. And the to me, everybody in the room had different places, different starting points. We had academics and we had people uh, steeped in the work and people who are brand new. Some people who'd never even heard of it, but just kind of happened by and decided to participate. <laughs> um, walking it down the hallway. Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, and but, the people who were, who were doing our support work you know, who, who were hooking up the microphones and all that weren't even a part of us, and they were taking it all in. <laughs> yeah, and they were, like, crying at the end, you know, oh, with their heart open, not crying, yeah. but tears, you know, saying, this just meant so much, and you all, so it's like, to me, I, that came to mind when you said, we've got to uh, make being a part of us, you know, something that adds value to everyone, and not not just those of us who want to be steeped in it and teach it you know, just immersed in it, you know. Um, and I think that we made a good start at that last conference because that did happen. You know, like you said, the, the photographers and all, you know, at the end, everybody was sharing about, you know, what their, what their takeaways are. And a couple folks got really, so, you know, I loved learning this. And, you know, I love the love in the room because it really was. We were talking about hefty intellectual things in some ways, but yeah. it was done with love and sharing and laughter and interest. It's just super invigorating so thank you for keeping it going and for continuing to be so involved it's just a gift oh well i stand on the shoulders of a lot of people too uh, because the friends and uh and colleagues of the institute over the years have enriched me so much i have just always been basking in the glow of many uh, intelligent people who just you know their brilliance and their their thought uh, about these subjects as as we were trying to clarify and move forward with uh, with the mathematics at, at some point. Their contributions are just uh, unexpressible. They're just just magnificent. <laughs> Good is good, and good stays, and good moves forward. So that is what's happening. Yes, and uh, one of the books that I read sometime in recent history is called Factfulness. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not. What's it called? Factfulness. F-A-C-T-F-U-L-N-E-S-S. Factfulness. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's an unusual word. Hans Rosling is the author, a Swedish gentleman. Uh, Bill Gates uh, said that this was one of the most important books he ever read. And uh, Rosling was a physician uh, who did a lot of work in third world countries, did a lot of work with uh, epidemics. <laughs> kind oh, of how about that? Doing now. And uh, he died in the course of writing this book. And actually his daughter and uh, son-in-law finished the book. Who They worked with him in the foundation that they had. And his, his issue with writing this book was that we often interpret statistics incorrectly. That uh, and he gave many examples of of statistics that we look at one way, and there are other ways to look at them. You're not rewriting the truth, but you're understanding them in a different way. And uh, the subtitle of his book was "Things Are Not As Bad as You Think They Are." <laughs> oh, I love that! Yes, yes, Amen. <laughs> and, and, and one of the things that that really stuck with me uh, in that he said was. All forward progress is forward progress, even yes. if it's only a little bit. 
And he said, we miss this in statistics because we look at it and we say, ah, oh, gee whiz, you know, it's, it's this and it's only moved that much. And he said, if it's moved at all, we've done something. <laughs> and so he's looking at all kinds of uh, situations around the world and uh, interpreting them in, in a in a different light, not skewing the figures, not, you know, trying to uh, make lies out of, st of the statistics, but just understanding what's going on in the world in a different way. I found that to be very helpful yes, in my, in my yes. worldview. And my worldview needs a lot of help right now. But <laughs> so yes. I have to work on that all the time. Yes, I think we all are in our own way, finding our way through all of this. Um, but I will put that book in the show notes, and I'll definitely be checking that out. I'm a big, big believer in, you know, little efforts add up, and uh, to look for those and to celebrate that, and um, to not always look so far ahead that you think, oh, I failed. You know, it's like, look at what you did in the moment, you know, and how are you feeling right now? And, you know, so I think that's a wake up eager life, you know. Indeed. So uh, speaking of Wake Up Eager Life, um, that's something we talk about a lot here, Wake Up Eager Workforce, Wake Up Eager Life. I was very impressed. The first I'd known who you were, Art, um, you know, over the years just because I've, you know, had the Freedom to Live book, but I didn't know you. I'd never met you in person. And of course, at the conference, I had the opportunity to meet your wife. And you are both very vibrant energetically and physically, but you both are both very energetic people, bright and uh, pleasant and just have a good way about both of you. And so I'd be very curious for you to talk about what you do regularly, what you both do. You might even talk about that. Uh, how long have y'all been married, if you don't mind me asking? 51 years. 51 years. How about that? Well, figured as much since you were talking about college and having she introduced you to Hartman through her class. But mind, body, and spirit, are there specific things that you all do in each one of those categories? Maybe you individually or maybe you as a couple, anything that you'd like to talk about or mention in regard to that, those areas for waking up eager, for having this vibrance that I picked up from you both? Well, as far as the, the mind part of it, I like to wake up each day affirming the day and with a, an affirmation of gratitude for this day and for all the days that have gone before and for the, the uh, wonderful blessings that I enjoy every day. So that's how I like to start my day off. And uh, I like to think about Meister Eckhart you know who he was? Yep, yep. I, is that Eckhart Tolle? No, not or Eckhart something Tolle. Different. This is, this okay. is Meister Eckhart, who was a 15th nope. century theologian, German theologian. Ooh. Okay, he cool. He was uh, executed during the, uh, or he died. He was in the process of being tried, and he, he died uh, during the Inquisition. But one of the things that Meister Eckhart said was, if the only prayer you ever say is thank you, that will be sufficient. Oh, yeah. And I just always thought that that was such a beautiful approach to life and yes. approach to understanding. Yes, yes, amen. Body-wise, uh, both of us try to stay active. My wife is three times as active as I am. <laughs> <laughs> 
I try to get in 10,000 steps a day if I can, and sometimes 15 or more. Uh, I can do that almost every day unless I'm sedentary uh, yep. you know, for some reason, or it's a lousy day and I can't get out and do things. But we live in, a, in, a, in the woods on a lot of acreage, and so we have grounds and lots of projects. So we have lots of things to, uh, to keep us uh, moving and energized, and, and we like to do that. We like to hike and walk. We spend a lot of time in the Alps, which we didn't get to do this year. So we like to walk there. Uh, last year, Charlotte did a hike that she's been wanting to do for years. She got the, uh, the owner of the little hotel where we stay to escort her up this mountain cliff face, which is a 3,000-foot elevation climb. Oh, my gosh. So the people who live there do this routinely. They, they go up the trail, you know, and they'll do it in an hour or an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. So uh, Teresa, our uh, hostess, said, oh, well, let's, let's allow three hours or so. So I said, okay, I'm going to take the gondola, and I'll meet you at the top for lunch. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm I'm going to be there drinking a beer. (laughs) Where was this? Where exactly was this? This is in a a little town called Vingen, W-E-N-G-E-N, which is up in the the Alps above Interlaken. Okay, cool. Bernice Overland. So anyway. So I, I get on the gondola and go up at about when I think is going to be the right time. And I think two hours after that or so, they finally show up. It took them five hours. Wow. That <laughs> was a she hike. Was so elated to, uh, to have done this, this hike. Uh, oh. To have uh, been able to, to make that climb. So anyway, we, we do all sorts of crazy things like that. Oh, that is wonderful. That does not surprise me. I can totally see it. She's got her bright, shiny face. She's very petite. She's got a cute ponytail. I can see her. I I was having the image of that as you were talking. (laughs) Hiking up the mountain with a big old smile on her face. Well, we actually didn't quit there. We walked on for another three miles uh, around another mountain. It was basically a flat trail, not a climb. Uh, And then... uh, caught a train back down to our village. <laughs> wow, fun. <laughs> but it was a fun day. Anyway, yes. spiritually, we used to have cats. I used to say that my cats were my spiritual advisors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, I really miss them since they've, they've been gone. But our lifestyle doesn't support pets very well these days. But I like to have a cadre of, uh, of friends around me who whom we share the same kinds of values and we can uh, discuss those and, and reinforce and explore. Uh, I, I have to include all the inspiration that I've gotten from, from all those uh, Hartman conferences. I mean, there hasn't been a single one that I have been to that I have not come back. Somehow changed, somehow inspired, somehow become a better person because of that. And then I read all kinds of things. I I read broadly. Uh, One of the things that I have missed uh, during this uh, 
time of being confined is going to the library. <laughs> oh, yes. Fortunately, My favorite we have place. A, a rather large library of our own, so we've been reading through a lot of things there. But I read everything from cosmology to Eastern religion and everything, mysteries and everything in between. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of those things that, that, that have little snippets of, uh, of insight or information, even in, in novels, you know, in mysteries. There, there are some mm-hmm. mystery writers that are very, very insightful in some of the things. Yes. I'm always seeing a turn of phrase. I love mystery, so I'm always reading them. But a a turn of phrase or a smart way. I mean, they have to study people to write a good mystery, right? So you always get some interesting things there. Yes. One of my favorites is uh, an author whose name is Donna Leon. And she has written a whole bunch, uh, 20, more than 20 novels set in Venice. Oh. And they follow a police detective. I love that stuff. I say that she knows informal axiology, even though she probably doesn't know. Because the way that character behaves and the sensitivity with which he deals with things and the kinds of issues that he thinks about are just so rich in uh, in this kind of thing. So I, I really enjoy her. Okay, I'm going to be looking that up. Donna D- Leon, L-E-O-N-E? No, just uh, without the E on the end, Leon. Okay, Leon, okay. Yep, always looking for, because that helps me relax. I feel like my mind is so busy all the time, and I'm always thinking, 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 so I kind of, it helps me to read mysteries or watch mysteries. Cause oh, it, you'll enjoy some of those. I'm still thinking, um, but it's fun, yeah. By the way, the uh, German uh, public television network did a whole series of uh, these books as films. Oh. Um, and uh, I've seen a few of them. We uh, don't have much access to those things, but uh, but I think there is a way to access them. And uh, as films, they're, they're wonderful. And, and the characters who play uh, these things, the places that they have been seen, they've all become so popular. <laughs> stars around the world <laughs> oh how about that okay i'm gonna look that up we'll put a link to that in the show notes or anything we find on that too so All right so what advice would you give your 25 year old self enjoy the moment more <laughs> you know slow down a little bit take more time surround myself with the best people i can find and listen to them and learn from them and strive to be the best I can be every day, which I still try to do that. Every day I reflect on that, and I uh, usually find myself coming up short, but it's a, it's a good exercise anyway. Yes, yes. Sounds like some good wisdom. If you could have one billboard anywhere, what would it be, and what would it say, or where would it be, and what would it say? Oh, where would it be? I don't. I don't have a, a good answer. Times Square. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, that would be seen by a lot of people. <laughs> well, how about a paraphrase of John Wesley, who uh, you know founded the Methodist Church a long time ago, and my paraphrase of one of the things he said goes like this: Do all the good you can for everyone you can. Every time you can, 
every day. Mm. Love it. All right. So in closing, Art, um, if there's one uh, last little bit of wisdom about uh, Hartman and his work, or it might be it's a couple things of wisdom, but reminders to people listening who are every day, you know, maybe working with teams or maybe working with clients or in their home life, of course, you know, what would you share? What would you say? Well, I would just encapsulate uh, from what we've probably already said before, and that is to simply keep the hierarchy in mind, that people are more important than things, and both of those things are more important than the rules and uh, the structure. So if you keep those three things in order, the decisions that you make will be kinder to everyone around you and will probably be better decisions. And in relationships, the thing that I would pass on is that when it doesn't matter, there are times when it might matter, but when it does not matter, it is more important to be kind than to be right. Yes. Wonderful. So, Art, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you to have a conversation, are you open to that? Sure. How would they reach out to you? My email is F-F-A-N-C-I-E-S. That's F-Fancies at earthlink.net. Okay, great. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Maybe somebody has an idea or something they want to ask you about, but we'll put that in the show notes. It's been such a pleasure to spend time talking with you today. and. Uh, Thank you for all the good you bring to the world. You just appreciate it. Well, thank you for the opportunity, and I've enjoyed the stimulation. (laughs) Awesome. I hope you enjoyed and got a lot from our discussion today. Some of my favorite takeaways at the end when we're talking about all forward progress is forward progress, even if just a little bit. That is something that is important to really Don't let that slip by you. And in today's time when things are stressful and we're all feeling some tilt (laughs) with all the change, to me it's more important than ever to every day list what you're thankful for, pay attention to what progress you made, and all forward progress is forward progress, even if just a little bit. And my thought is, Where you focus is where you're going to go. So focus on what forward progress you have made, even if things are tilted or stilted for a little bit right now. What has happened? You know, so you hear me, and I've talked about it much in so much of my writing and in these conversations in the podcast, but 1% a day and in 70 days, you're twice improved. So 1% is 15 minutes a day. It's a reminder of the exponential growth principle. Little steps lead to big progress and that we need to relish. We need to celebrate what good happened today. And that leads me to my other comment that I love that Art shared. And you feel that from him. You see that in his wife. They live a life of thankfulness. I loved his his comments about that. Thankfulness is approach to life. They tie together. So thankful for what happened today. Thank, I make lists 
every single day in my mind when I'm walking, when I'm folding clothes, what am I thankful for? We have to cultivate that energy within us, that spirit. And when we do, it doesn't stay forever. So we kind of, it's not like a college degree, right? So we have to continually tap into, align with, calibrate to that focus. So didn't plan to say all that, but it's so important. And it helps me every day. It helps me every day to remember what is working. And, and really, truly, where we focus is where we're going. And where we're going is where we focus. And so let's focus on the progress that we've made. I can't change everything that's happening in the world, but I can change how I spend my day, how I spend my focus, and how I help and serve. And we each have our own way of doing that. There's not just one way. So I just encourage you to really, really own that. The show notes for today's episode is pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Hartman Art, H-A-R-T-M-A-N-A-R-T, Hartman Art. There's everything is there, all the links to everything we talked about. I want to mention the Hartman Conference. It's going to be awesome. I'm so excited. I'm working with a committee. I'm the conference chair this year. It's the 44th annual conference. It's virtual. Um, The theme is Change 3. And it's using good judgment, doing good things, letting love lead. Those are the three dimensions in the Hartman value profile. And we are going to have interactive sessions and it's going to be great. So it is uh, very inexpensive to attend. You benefit if you go ahead and become a member. You save money to attend. There'll be recordings. It's on September 22nd, October 13th, and November the 10th. And it's three sessions, three hours. If you go to HartmanInstitute.org, you will um, see all the information and click on events. You'll see all the information there. You can also reach out to me. I'll share. We're updating the agenda as we have it. Um, You can also sign up for our newsletter and get all the latest news there too. So you can go to HartmanInstitute.org forward slash newsletter. I want to mention two books that we're about to publish through the Hartman Institute that are relevant to our topic today, which is Hartman's work. And we don't have the official title of the book yet on the quote book, but it's it'll be something about the wit and wisdom of Hartman. And Cliff Hurst, who has been on this podcast before, and I have a, I will have a link to his website in the show notes at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Hartman Art. He has been pulling these quotes together with Catherine Blakemore, who is brand strategist. I'll also put a link to her website and contact information. She's helped me tremendously with some of the branding and marketing. But between Cliff and Catherine, they're getting this wisdom of Hartman's book pulled together. And I just wanted to give you a little little insider tip into what's going to be there. And this is some of the notes of the opening and about wit and wisdom and about Hartman. And I'm going to read it from there. It says, to have wit means to have mental sharpness and alertness, intellectual quickness and penetration, acumen. It includes, continues Webster, having a readiness in seizing upon and expressing brilliantly and amusingly ideas that are startlingly incongruous in association. That too was Hartman. Who else could have said, your inner self, your humble being, is what makes dogs lick you. That's all. (laughs) You want to say that again, because I'm a big dog lover and I have two dogs, Oliver and Walter, at my feet right this moment, sacked out, waiting for their next walk. But he said, Hartman said, your inner self, your humble being, with a capital B, is what makes dogs lick you. That's all. 
So that's some of the wit of Hartman. <laughs> Who else could have said that? Hartman. Well, that's wisdom. And here's some more about wit from Webster. Wit, continues Webster, may also express itself in the form of deft and spontaneous play with unperceived analogies, often with a critical or satirical application. In describing how we can end wars, Hartman writes satirically, when nations give wars, we should not attend. How about that? When nations give wars, we should not attend. That's vintage Hartman. So there are more than 130 such gems from the pen of Robert Hartman in the following pages. Read and ponder, then share this book with others. Together, let's inspire the world with the wisdom of Robert S. Hartman by sharing his wit. So that book is coming out. I will be sharing it with all of my clients and sharing it with you in advance, getting an advance peek. And that's coming out. And in addition to the book that we mentioned in the conversation, The Revolution Against War, and it is Hartman's writings with editorial work done by Cliff Hurst. And again, the design and layout created and, and giving freely. They, they are volunteering their time to do all of this. And Art Ellis is uh, helping cover some of the publishing costs to get all this going and happening. But here is a quote about the revolution against war from Catherine Rogers, who's the president of Fielding Graduate Institute and she's the author of a book, Towards a Positive, Positivist World. Here's what she said. At the heart of the deeply moving work is the simple idea that the path to a world of peace is through our value structures. To Hartman, peace is not the absence of war, but rather a mindset and way of being. This collection fosters the cultivation of that worldview. So that's a quote about the revolution against war. And so that will be coming out. And as it is, I'll let you know here. If you'd like to connect, I'm doing a lot of uh, more time on LinkedIn. That's become my main social media platform. So if we're not connected there, please reach out and let's connect at Suzy Price. I also have a Priceless Professional Development page and a Wake Up Eager Workforce page. So you can keep track of us there. You can also find all of our episodes at wakeupeagerworkforce.com. And you can also leave a review or a comment at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash review. I look forward to our next connection. You take care, be well, and remember that small efforts add up. All forward progress is forward progress, even if just a little bit. And spend some time today making your lists of appreciation and notice how good you feel. Take care. This episode of the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast was brought to you by Priceless Professional Development. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to pricelessprofessional.com to gain access to more professional development resources. 